Okay, welcome everybody. This is uh, Jim Barton and Reverend Abigail Conley, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Bloody Mary Bible Brunch. Today's topic is budgeting, uh, both national and personal, and with that I'm going to kick it over to Abby to describe what we'll talk about. So we're in the place where um, President Trump has just released a tentative budget, and there's been lots of reactions to it across the board. Um, including what it cuts and what it funds. So basically it funds military really well and cuts um, arts and what would be considered welfare programs and some of those um, feeding and hitting kind of the poorest people. So Meals on Wheels, Free and Reduced Lunch, the uh, TANF that had already been cut quite a bit, SNAP programs, those sorts of things. And so we're going to get to that eventually, but I think it is actually very beneficial to talk about budgets as moral documents. And Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so I think it's safe to say that any person, any organization, if you look at where they spend their money and how they spend their money, you know exactly what their values are. So the people sitting here are ones who both write significant checks to other people each month, um, including our church. and. Personally, you know, my partner and I have chosen to give 10% of our after-tax income. And so that's kind of realizing, yeah, like we're not rolling in money. We're not to the point that we can do 10% free tax. So for us, we make about $80,000 a year. That's $5,500 um, a month is what that balances out to. So we give away $560 a month, actually, with $550 that go in directly to a church. So $400 to the church Jim and I are part of, a hundred to our um, regional office as part of their annual fund, and then um, 50 to the kind of general church offering DMF. And then the other 10 goes to a professional organization called the Young Clergy Women Project, supporting young women in ministry. And because that's kind of church, but not really, that's kind of the above and beyond little bit that we do. And let, me just, let me jump in, too, and say that I think that's so important. I think that um, Pat and I do the same thing with 10%, and we give a lot of it to Chalice. And then we give uh, $1,000 a year to other groups that we, that we support. And I think what's interesting to me is it's important to name those numbers. So if you're talking about giving away you know, $12,000 a year, or you're talking about giving away $6,000, $7,000 a year, those are important numbers because... I think if you just open up your wallet and say, what's an interesting number for me to give to this kid who's collecting money so they can take a trip to Europe or let me give some, you know, a, a dollar here and there because they fight leukemia. Like, those kinds, those aren't the kinds of commitments that show where your values are. And I think right. it is an area where the general society would be benefited, even people who don't give to church, if people would give some fraction of their income, 5 10% of their income to something that was important and valuable, I think the world would be a better place. Yeah, and it does actually then end up reflecting your values. Because if you look at our household budget, what we spend money on a month, the most is rent, the next most is paying off credit card debt that will be done in September, the next most is... Um, taxes because I'm self-employed so that right. check has to get written differently um, and then giving and so you have a very clear reflection of where our values are and the conversation about what else do we want reflected in this number as we increase our giving over a lifetime or we're making more money 
where else do we want? So one of those conversations is, what, what about the giving to our local community in a different way? Do we give to a community center? Do we give to a food bank? What about the people that aren't right in our neck of the woods? Do we do microloans? Excuse me, or those sorts of things. So those are really different conversations that end up kind of honing where are your values and what do you really want to invest your time and money and whatever energy and resources you have. And so the national budget then does the same thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think you touched on some of the shifting. We're seeing billions of dollars being spent to make more, uh, you know, you know, Navy ships and submarines and more tanks and more fighter jets and um, things to fight a war that I'm not sure, I'm not even sure who would fight with these weapons. Mm -hmm. But of course that's the problem, right? As you make those weapons, you find somebody to fight with them. In the meantime, we're slashing the EPA, we're slashing the National Endowment for the Arts, and we're slashing taking away food from kids, and we're taking away food from the elderly. And that's something that, that budget, that says something about our values, the sort of core values that we yeah. have. So I actually would name especially those very key things at the bottom of when we're talking about Medicaid, Medicare, um, Affordable Care Act, those, um, any kind of food program, any of those other what we would call, what has been lumped in together with welfare, WIC, TANF, all of those sorts of things. Those are decidedly anti-Christ cuts. And I'm not a person who believes in a great anti-Christ. I think there are a lot of anti-Christs over time. Yeah. And there are a lot of ways to be anti-Christ. And one of them is to take money away from poor people. Yeah. Um, and especially to take food and resources away from poor people. And so Meals on Wheels, I think, for a lot of people, is less, less loaded than some of those other programs. So the fact that it's getting cut is terrifying, but also if you talk a little bit more about what Meals on Wheels is, it becomes epically more terrifying because some Meals on Wheels, you think, okay, hot meal to senior person who can't really cook anymore. Okay. Well, part of that is also a wellness check. So every day that person has someone stopping at their house. They have emergency numbers. They, they call the director of the program who has emergency numbers if the person doesn't answer their door. So you find someone who's fallen. You find, found someone who's had a heart attack. You find these people in time that actually get them help right. and save their life. Right. You also are often keeping them out of nursing homes which or assisted living facilities that are far, far more expensive than, hey, I'm going to stay in my home, not to mention the difference in quality of life. And... For a lot of programs, it's not just the hot meal, it's also they get a cold pack for that evening that has something they can fix or a can of soup over the weekend because this is literally the only source of food they have. So so the question is, are these expressions of our liberal political values, are these manifestations of our faith? And so one of the things I want to talk about is that we have the scripture where Jesus, the Mary comes in and she puts the oil on his feet and then I can't remember if it's just Judas and Jesus Christ Superstar or if it's actually Judas in the gospel it doesn't matter one of the disciples I think Judas says what are you doing we could have sold that for 300 silver pieces we could have fed the poor and Jesus responds well they'll be poor with us always you need to celebrate me while I'm here what does that have this how does that inform our choice about priorities for feeding the poor versus other things that are important so I think, first of all, let's read the entire gospel. 
and the poor you will have always with you was not a command by Jesus. This isn't a goal. Right. This is a reality of a broken system. Yeah. If we also take that with every time Jesus fed someone, every time Jesus healed someone, I am perfectly fine with doing those things in proportion to each other. So if we need to give, you know, spend extravagantly in one place, great. Let's do that once for every time we feed a few thousand poor people. Every instance of that. I, I think we would end up in a much better place if we even went with that. I think it's also fair to note, Jesus was not a wealthy person. This right. is not putting more resources toward people who already have resources. So if we want to pick the homeless men up off the street, the homeless men, women, children off the street, take them in, spend a year's wages on them in one day, uh -huh. let's go for it. Give them a spa day. Yeah. Well, when the Israelites thought they were in power, which is in, you have the story of the Israelites and the how they structured their spending, their national spending. Mm -hmm. um, there was some accommodations made for the poor. There was the idea of leaving the edge of the field for the poor. But the Israelites also spent money on raising an army. And they also spent money on a giant temple, yeah. right, to worship God, right? And that, so how do, so what do you think about that as far as that budget priorities of the Israelites as compared to our budget priorities? So I would think, number one, if we made as reasonable provisions for caring for the poor, we yeah. would still be pretty well off. The other thing that I would bring into that conversation is the year of Jubilee that is also prescribed. Yeah. Because while you have all these resources, first of all, the temple is a communal resource, not an individual resource, mm -hmm. which I think makes that different. And this is, if we want to put the money into infrastructure or communal resources, that's different from going into someone's pocket. The temple is the National Endowment for the Arts. Right. Yeah. Yeah, very, very different from, hey, this one person gets it. There's also the year of Jubilee. There was never one celebrated, but there is one prescribed. That in 70 years, everything reverts back. The super wealthies, wealth gets redistributed. The land that was taken away in slavery gets put back. Slave gets, slaves get released. This is huge. All of a sudden, there's this like, no, we're going to equalize it again. We're going to go back to, hey... Let's let's share this together and then rebuild from that. And what's clear is that we don't adopt or even advocate the Israelite form of government. Right. We don't talk about their criminal justice system, mm -hmm. which is mixed. There's some things that for everybody to hate in their criminal justice system and everything they're gonna love. And we don't we certainly don't take care of the poor with the idea the concept in the scripture I think is that you take care of the poor. Right. Like you do what needs to be done to take care of the poor. And um, that's 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 and a part of what you Israel's, do as a government. Israelites' ancient law: the poor includes the foreigner among you. It includes Absolutely. the alien. It includes a place where people. It includes cities of refuge, sanctuary cities. Yeah. All of those things that we're you know freaking out about are part of this ancient right. ancient. Law. Although our sanctuary cities in the Hebrew scripture is different than what we refer to as. It's nothing to do with. Refugees, right? Right, but it has to do with murderers. It does have to do with murder. Well, yeah. that's murder. That's <laughs> Manslaughterers. Right. So, all right. So, I think that's a good discussion. I think, well, let me ask one. We're a little bit over, but let me ask one question. Do you see a distinction between budgeting priorities that are a manifestation of your faith and other things that seem, like to me, budgeting priorities seems a little more indirect. I feel like if somebody disagrees with me, about EPA or NEA, that to me is a different 
I'm having a different conversation with them than if they disagree with me about whether we should be kind to the to the foreigner or whether we should feed the poor. What and do you I, think? Yes, I think there are degrees. It's also there are certain things like the poor, like the foreigners, that like you cannot read your Bible and think this is okay because if you are, you're not reading the Bible. I am. Right. You don't have any place to turn. Right. And those things. I, I mean, I fully believe the EPA matters. For me, going at that conversation is not creation care. It's the fact that the people paying the price for climate change are among the poorest in the world. That's true. And those are where I think when you talk about poor people, you're still going to get there. Yeah. Now, that doesn't help you with people who refuse to believe climate change is real. Right. But that's a topic for another day. All right. Very good. Well, in any case, it is all infused with our faith. And I think it's important as, like I started off by talking about us being liberal politically, to talk about how our faith moves us in these questions, too. And so I think that's an important part of the discussion. All right. Well, with that, we will wrap up. And uh, until next time, cheers.